Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast from the Lancet Microbe. It's July 2021 and I'm Jonathan Blott. This month, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Sam Lipworth from the University of Oxford. Sam is part of a team of researchers who have investigated the epidemiology of Mycobacterium abscessus in England and whose findings shed new light on the risk of person-to-person transmission in healthcare settings, particularly for patients with cystic fibrosis. What is the risk of Mycobacterium abscessus disease to patients with cystic fibrosis and what have studies shown regarding transmission in healthcare settings? Well, so the risk to patients themselves, Mycobacterium abscessus infection is hard to treat. It requires prolonged causes of multiple antibiotics. It's associated with decreasing lung function, and it's sometimes um, a bit of a barrier to lung transplantation, although not an absolute um, contraindication. So it's really bad for cystic fibrosis patients to get Mycobacterium abscessus. And there's been various studies looking at the risk of transmission uh, in healthcare settings. So there was a seminal paper in the Lancet in 2013 which used whole genome sequencing to look at isolates from patients with cystic fibrosis in a single hospital in England and showed that patients with near identical isolates also had epidemiological links and of course this sparked concerns about the possible risk of transmission and then there was a a bigger study a couple of years later by the same group published in Science which found that globally most patients were infected with dominant circulating clones and you know, and this led to led the authors to conclude that these had been propagated around the world by uh, acquisition via transmission, which might be fomites or, or sort of uh, aerosols, so indirect person-to-person transmission. But then, since then, there's been several smaller studies which have kind of clouded the picture a little bit. So, uh, Enrico Tortoli and colleagues published an article in the European Respiratory Journal looking at Italian isolates and showed that really there was minimal impact of person-to-person transmission in Italy Um, and similarly a study in London, Great Ormond Street found that there was only one episode of person-to-person transmission amongst their paediatric cohort and actually even patients who'd spent a long time together on wards who had cystic fibrosis didn't transmit abscesses between each other. Um, And then similarly there was another paper just last year in in Germany looking at 29 patients who found no evidence of person-to-person transmission in that cohort. And then finally, a paper in, from Australia looking um, at 22 patients who had uh, abscesses from a total of 328 patients found only three where person-to-person transmission was possible. So a bit of a mixed bag from, from the previous literature. So then building on these studies, uh, what, what were the aims of your observational study? Well, we wanted to analyse all the um, mycobacterium abscessus sequencing data available from England to understand the extent to which person-to-person transmission might explain acquisition of mycobacterium abscessus in England. And the real advantage that our study had is that we were able to include all available sequenced isolates from the uh, Public Health England reference laboratories. And this meant that we had isolates both from patients who have cystic fibrosis, but also patients who had other respiratory diagnoses and even no respiratory diagnosis. And so it was a much more unselected data set. It was a, a sequential data set from a reasonably large time period. And, and so this was a really great advantage of the study. And this means that, you know, whereas our previous studies had relied on the use of stored isolates or isolates only from a single centre or, or a single diagnostic group, we had a, a much more diverse selection of isolates. And this really allows us to, to look at the wider genomic context of, of mycobacterium abscesses acquisition. 
So in, so in terms of your findings, then, uh, please, can you describe what your analysis showed about the distribution of clustered isolates among individuals with or without cystic fibrosis, uh, as well as geographically? Yeah, so the first thing that we did was really follow a, a similar uh, strategy to that which had been previously defined, really to allow comparison with those studies. So we took the previously defined less than 25 SNP cutoff as, as defining clusters. And using this, we identified 115 clusters involving 560 of 906, so 62% of patients. And because we had, as I said before, data from both patients with and without cystic fibrosis, we were able to show that patients with cystic fibrosis were no more likely than those without to have a clustered isolate. And this was a really interesting finding because it, it really changes the framework in which we think about mycobacterium abscessus acquisition. You know, if, if person-to-person transmission does occur, then we can no longer think of it as being confined to uh, cystic fibrosis patients and, and occurring in cystic fibrosis healthcare facilities. And, you know, there were several other curious findings. So we found that four isolates from patients with cutaneous biopsies fell into clusters with patients who had respiratory pathologies. And of course, they can't have acquired those isolates for example, via aerosol transmission. And similarly, we found high proportions of clustered isolates from patients with non-sputum producing phenotypes. Of course, you know, if you were to set up a model of infection, they would be kind of dead end hosts because they're much less likely to transmit. And then on a similar vein, we looked at isolates from uh, patients who, who, were, who were likely siblings with cystic fibrosis, who were probably household contacts, so they shared the same surname and the same uh, full postcode. And we found amongst the three pairs of such patients that we had, one a case of probable transmission where there were very small SNP distances between the patient's isolates, but two pairs who had highly divergent isolates. And there was a fourth pair who, who were probably siblings but didn't live together at the point of acquisition who had highly divergent isolates. And of course, this is really interesting because siblings, you know, live in close proximity. They contaminate each other's environments quite intensely. And yet, so you would expect them to share the same strains. And yet, two or, or three or four uh, didn't. And, and similarly, we found 25 further possible household contacts where both uh, had both had CF, but only one had mycobacterium abscessus. And again, that's probably not what you would expect if it's very transmissible within household settings. And, and I guess the relevance of this is that if, if there's a, a reasonably low uh, risk of transmission, even within a household setting, then when you go to you know a hospital setting, an outpatient clinic where you spend only a fairly short amount of time there, then you would assume that the risk is, is even lower. Um, and then just going to the, the geographic uh, aspect of the question that you asked me. So we found we looked at all of our large clusters, uh, so greater than 10 patients or greater than equal to 10 patients. And we looked at the geographic distribution of these and we found that they were randomly di geographically distributed using a, a previously described permutation test. And similarly, we found no correlation between the distance to nearest genomic neighbor and the geographical proximity of patients. And this matters because were lots of person-to-person -person transmission to be going on either uh, in the community or in hospital settings, then, then this finding is really the opposite of what we'd expect. So you have just touched on this, but please could you tell us more about what your findings mean regarding the, the risk of person's person transmission in England, particularly in the context of care for patients with cystic fibrosis? Yeah, well, I mean, 
I think high levels of uh, infection control, you know, are really important, of course, in all hospital settings, but particularly for patients with cystic fibrosis. And there's lots of really good reasons for this, you know, and and, and MTM is one of them, but also, you know, MRSA, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, Burkholdia capacia. So, you know, absolutely um, high levels of infection control are, are really important. But several factors from our analysis point to the fact that the risk of um, mycobacterium abscessus acquisition from healthcare settings, at least under normal conditions, is fairly low. You know, so the, the random geographical distribution of isolates, the lack of epidemiological contacts uh, for most patients with clustered isolates, and the lack of a signal for risk of various measures of nosocomial exposure in our regression analysis. So what we, we hope that our findings do is, is provide a level of reassurance to, to patients, to clinicians, to, the, uh, to patients' families, that um, the risk of the you know, person-to-person transmission is relatively rare at a national level. You know, so most patients who have clustered isolates probably don't acquire these via person-to-person transmission. Um, and so there's, there's really no evidence for further increasing infection control procedures specifically because of concerns about mycobacterium abscesses. And it also, you know, has an important message for for sort of um, public health providers that when you're looking at mycobacterium abscesses, uh, potential outbreaks and, and particularly sequencing data, that you should, you know, do this at a national level and across patient groups in order to really um, fully understand the diversity scene and, and, and you know, contextualise this to understand whether there's truly an outbreak or whether you're just sampling a sort of, you know, more widely distributed circulating clone. So then given this evidence of of the relatively low risk of person-to-person transmission, as you described in healthcare settings, what should be the focus of future research in this area? Yeah, so taken together, um, I think this study and and the various others that have been published over the last few years in the literature have shown this really interesting finding of genomically near-identical isolates from patients who are distributed over, you know, really quite wide geographical distances and have no epidemiological contacts. And this is really quite hard to explain, and we think very poorly explained by person-to-person transmission. But then what is causing this? That is a very interesting question. And I think probably you need to have a good think about what a possible vector for this might be. So, you know, you're looking for something that's globally distributed given what we know about ntms is probably soil or water associated and you've got to think of something to which people from a variety of different you know age groups and demographics are exposed to you know so you you might think of something uh in the food chain maybe or yeah some some sort of closely uh you know some sort of product that's closely water associated that's distributed internationally or even in the very worst case uh, scenario, healthcare associated product. And of course, there's a prominent example of that from, from heater cooler units in, uh, in mycobacterium chimera, although actually our data suggests that whatever the relevant exposure is here, it's probably more likely to be uh, environmentally associated. So, you know, we don't know what's, what, what explains the, the findings that, uh, that have been shown in this and other studies, but I think efforts to, to to sort of brainstorm potential vectors and to sort of you know set up epidemiological studies to investigate this should be uh, intensified. 
And I think the other thing is that we still know really relatively little about the environmental diversity of mycobacterium abscesses. You know, there's very few sequences available from just, you know, randomly sort of sampled from the environment. And of course, these studies are quite difficult to, to think about and design. But uh, I think I think it might be quite informative um, to understand how such isolates fit into the, the phylogeography of isolates um, that we've observed in humans. And I think I think some studies in this area would be important going forward as well. Dr. Samuel Lipworth, thank you. You can read Dr. Lipworth's research online now at thelancet.com. Thank you to Dr. Lipworth and thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation With, The Lancet Microbe, wherever you usually get your podcasts.